Hey, this is Jacob from Crowdfunding Nerds. And what we're tuning into today is an episode where we get into a discussion on goal setting. Uh, how do we set realistic goals? How do we measure achieving those goals? And what steps can we do to improve ourselves to make sure that we don't abandon ship when our, our progress gets difficult? Let's get into it. Game begin. Let, 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 let's go. Go back to the shadow. You shall not fail. Crowdfunding Nerds. Amazing. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another awesome episode of Crowdfunding Nerds. I am your host, Andrew Lowen, and I am joined, um, as always, by Sean and not Rick. Instead, Rick is replaced by Jacob, who is on our team. Uh, welcome to the show, Jacob. Hey, thanks for having me back on. And welcome back, Sean. Hey. <laughs> so on this podcast, we really wanted to get into goals. Um, and so... Uh, you know, really on our last podcast, we kind of talked, you know, it's the new year and everything. And, um, we wanted to, we just kind of happened to dive into a little sub talk about, about goals. And I thought, why not have a full podcast about setting goals and, um, how to make them meaningful, how to make them relevant, how to make them, you know, et cetera, what things matter in regard to goals and goal setting. And that's going to be different for, you know, we have three of us on this podcast. I think that the three of us, because we're three different humans, are going to have three different perspectives on this and three different sets of goals that matter. So, um, you know, I, I think that y'all are in for a, a treat, but because we're recording this basically live, I have no idea what we're about to say. So, Sean, I tried to frame our conversation, but uh, do you want to you wanna add anything to that? Yeah, I think it's really important when setting goals is to find a vacant field and make sure that there's no one running about and then just make sure you have really sturdy poles so that when you <laughs> ah you, you are you talking about european it, it, it also football? The, 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 depend on the sport right? are you playing <laughs> soccer yeah. or is it american football so having I, I was like goal. really listening for a second i'm like okay fine why do, i don't know why you find a field. field i guess he's irish so you know maybe that's <laughs> how they do it <laughs> dang it he's trolling me he's just trolling me so. <laughs> but no i think goal setting is important because it gives you focus and you know, we talked in the previous episode of discipline and setting routines and it increases your productivity i think if you don't have at least something that you're shooting for then you can kind of just aimlessly wander through life so having a a roadmap to get somewhere that is going to improve your life somehow and it doesn't have to, to be uh even business related. I know one of, we're going to talk about our own personal goals. One of, um, our personal, cause I've just recently sat down and done, done this with my wife. One of our personal goals as a family is just to host more. So we want to try and have a family from our church over at least once a month. Um, it's kind of a small goal, but we've got a sort of a bigger place now. We can accommodate people and this is just something we want to do. So it's not necessarily, um, financially motivated. It's just something that we, we want to aspire and do. And it kind of gives us, uh, focus and then in six months we can say okay how many how many families did we have over and if it isn't six then we failed our, our goal <laughs> but, <laughs> and then um, what is yeah. your punishment oh, i don't know we didn't set punishment. Mm -hmm. the, the punishment is just the the sense of failure that you get from <laughs> failing at something <laughs> you know i find i find even when you fail a goal like you um i think the saying goes you shoot for the stars you hit the moon or something like that or you, you hit the sun. I don't know. Um, <laughs> sounds like a terrible thing to hit the sun, but the, the, the concept is that even if you only hosted four families or something, that's like, that's something that you did 
because you set a goal, it ended up that you didn't get there all the way, but that's still progress and actually is something to celebrate. And then, you know, I, I also find one, one thing I'll, I'll mention is the, when you set a goal, you actually begin to find if it's meaningful to you or not. And this is actually kind of unlocking this, this hidden, uh, you know, tons of post-traumatic stress from actually starting my business and trying to make it, um, you know, there was uh, the first meaningful goal to me, and we'll talk about relevance, but the first goal to me that actually had meaning, I hope my mom's not listening, uh, was to show to my, like to prove to my mom that I didn't make a mistake by starting a business. That was actually the first goal that really carried weight with me. I I had uh, goals of like, oh, I want to make six figures like in, in two years and and whatever. And I found that I'm actually not super motivated by money. Um, and so it just, that goal didn't really feel close to my heart. Now there are other people that are very much motivated by money, motivated by, you know, altruism, motivated by, uh, other, other things. Um, uh, we can talk about motivators as well, but the, the first goal that actually had meaning to me was to prove my mom wrong. And then, uh, the second goal was to feed myself. Um, so I learned that it was really, really hard to run a business and I quit everything and, um, you know, started, a, started my business and, uh, that was, that was tough. And then the next meaningful goal for me at that time was to, I just saw how my wife was working so hard. She worked as, a um, in two different places, but one was, um, as an activities attendant at like a, um, a resort. And then she worked as, and this is after she got her college degree, she went and made like $9 an hour or $10 an hour as an activities attendant because she couldn't find like that entry level college job. We were just struggling, you know? And um, then uh, after that, she actually ended up working um, as an assistant director at a preschool. And I saw her leave at five in the morning and she would return at four in the afternoon, totally exhausted, you know, completely devoid of the ability to have a, a a conversation because she's just spent all her mental mental energy at at work and my goal became I'm gonna I'm gonna get her to quit her job, you know, mm-hmm. and I'm gonna I'm gonna work hard so that if if I make you know at the time it was like four thousand dollars a month, I can get her to quit her job. Um, so that's what I'm gonna do and and I was it was extremely meaningful to me. Um, so I guess in regard to meaning, you know, we could well. We'll talk about smart goals and relevance later, but what what do you think, Jacob? Like, as far as ascribing meaning to your goals, what makes a goal meaningful to you? I think in a lot of ways it, it maybe ties into what improves your your current quality of life, whether that is mentally, spiritually, maybe it's financially. Um, but what I think can you ascribe some some value to is to, is it, is it improving your current state? Is it something that's stretching you to learn a new skill or to better yourself? And if it's not doing those things, then maybe it's not necessarily a a great goal. Um, I mean, it could be one of those things like right now, some goals seem silly. Like I grew up playing basketball and I mean, if I were to set a goal this year that I was like, I want to at 38 years old, learn how to dunk a basketball. um, (laughs) While that might be great for my personal pride, it really overall is not adding a whole lot to my, my life and my family life or, you know, our direction. So that might be a little bit more of a futile 
kind of a goal. So I think overall as a goal worthwhile would be what can you assess some value to to improve your overall uh, current state? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Sean, what, what makes a goal meaningful to you? Like why, what, what motivates you to, you know, set goals like bringing more families over or something like that? Yeah. Well, I think uh, as, as Jacob said, it, I, I completely agree with what he laid forth. I think for us, that, that particular one is just to make sure, like one thing that my wife and, and myself sort of known as, as self-reflection as millennials, I think, and because of our social media age, we're not very good at socializing with people face to face. So it was just a way to motivate us to get out, get out of our comfort zone and be hospitable to people around us. Uh, actually go over to the neighbor, like our neighbor just had a baby, you know, instead of just ignoring that, like go over and it's almost like a way to, to force us to be uh, a bit more human and, and disconnected. So I think in terms of quality of life, I think that's, that's certainly part of it. Now that's just one of the goals we, we both, uh, we're able to define three. I think one of our, our common goals um, that was a, a bit more financially connected was um, saving to get a new car. So we want to, our family's growing and my kids are growing. They're kind of squished in the back of our car. Even though I don't drive around too much, um, they're getting bigger. <laughs> the car issue is going to become a problem. So that's one of our goals is to to save so that we can sell our current car. And then with the, uh, the savings that we have, purchase a, a bigger car. Um, so that's, that's one that we have. Um, we have, we have different ones, but yeah, I think it all comes down to, to quality of life things. And it, it also reminds you of the reasons why you, why you're grinding, why you're working. It's to provide, um, quality of life enhancements, not just to yourself, but also to those around you, which could be your neighbors. It could be your family, um, and so on and so forth. Yeah. That's a very interesting. Um, let's talk about the, you know, what makes a goal. Uh, what makes an effective goal? You know how how eventually we'll talk about how to come up with goals and and other things like that. But um, there's this this concept called the SMART goal. Um, SMART goals are uh, so SMART is an acronym. It stands for specific, measurable, achievable, relevant, and timely. Or I think time bound. And if a goal is all of these things, it is a thing that. I, I would just say it's a thing that you can achieve that, that matters. Um, and so one of, I mean, let's just, let's just dive through each one of these. Um, let's start with specific. What makes a goal specific? Well, I suppose I'll jump in. I think in terms of being specific, you kind of want to avoid the goals, which are a bit waffly. It's like, I want to get better at painting. <laughs> you know, it's just like, <laughs> well, if it's like, oh no, I want to, I want to make forge a Monet. I want to start a, a Fiverr account and get my first client painting model miniatures and raise, uh, you know, a hundred dollars in my first month doing that. That's my goal. So it's, it's specific. Um, it's measurable. You can actually attain and achieve that. You can actually say, yes, after a month, I, I hit that or I didn't hit that or I got 50% of the way there. Um, so I think that's in terms of being specific. Instead of saying, I want to get better at painting, it's like, well, I want to get better at painting model miniatures to achieve this outcome that is somehow actually recordable and attainable. Sure. Yeah. Some sort of quantifiable aspect. Cause I think even with like you mentioning the painting thing, um, just as my art background, it's kind of the, it's one of those things that I, I think saying I want to get better at painting is so broad in general that there's not really any way to measure that. Like mm-hmm. what will 
what makes up better in your mind. Um, it might be better with a goal like that with painting to even say like, I want to produce 10 paintings, mm-hmm. you know, this year, or, you know, I want to produce, I want to paint 15 models mm-hmm. in the next six months. Um, so while that doesn't necessarily directly say, Hey, I want to make myself a better painter. Mm-hmm. It's one of those things that if you set a quantifiable go as you, goal, as you continue to practice and knock those things out by the end of those 15 models or 10 paintings, most likely you will be a better painter um, just as that experience kind of comes into play. So mm-hmm. I think being able to set some sort of easily quantifiable goal to get yourself moving um, is what kind of changes it from being something broad and waffly to something that at least gives you mm-hmm. a target to shoot at. Yeah. And I think that, you know, for me, there's a difference between, um, so wanting to become a better painter is, I think is a great goal. If I were to add to the SMART acronym, I would actually add M for motivation because um, m- the motivation behind a goal is, for example, like becoming a better painter. That That is a, an excellent motivation. I want to be a better painter. And so how are you going to set a goal that will help you become a better painter? That's where you get specific. So you kind of start to drill down into, okay, what what do I want to paint? I want to paint miniatures. I want to paint my own set of you know, these deliverance angel miniatures and have them look really good so that when people uh, play with them on the table, they're like, oh, wow, good job, you know, um, or maybe I personally am going to, I want to be personally proud of them. So I'm going to, so what I'm going to do for that is, is start to, I'll buy a set of paints. I'll start with my Lord of the Rings Journeys of Middle Earth uh, minis that I, that are just sitting gray and unwashed. And then I'll get my kind of, um, the bumps in in the road like will will smooth out my skill set a little bit by the time I finish that then I'll be ready to paint these things so I think motivation is key um and definitely shouldn't be under uh well I guess it it should be kind of the foundation but maybe those listening separate the motivation from how specifically are you going to um tackle that and I think that that that's kind of how it works for me um, so measurable, I think is really important as well. Um, if something is, you know, going back to that motivation versus a specific thing, becoming a better painter has no end time. Like you could be, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, as I mentioned before, Monet and want to be a better painter. Um, it's, I mean, you know, he's reached the height of as much as you can reach. And now he's long, he's long past, but, but yeah, he could easily set that as, as a motivation. In fact, I bet it's one of his life goals to be the best painter he can possibly be. But I think that one of the keys and goals is that um, you can say, did I do it? And the answer can be yes or no, or I, I got this far or I got this close. I think that's a really important part about goals is like reflecting back. Um, if we set a goal and then never reflect back on how we did or how close we came or that kind of thing. I think that that's a, um, uh, I don't know. It's, it's not really, it wasn't really important to you. Maybe. What do you guys think about that? Yeah, I know. I think that's a, a great point. I, the motivation side of things is a, is a, is a big one. Um, I think for me, like some of the stuff I think about too, when it comes to the motivation, this is maybe kind of stretching the the topic a little bit, but, um, while some of us, I think, are great self-motivators, I think part of it comes into as well with any 
goal is who's going to keep you accountable or or push you. A lot of times, I think for myself, it's having that motivation sometimes comes from an outside stimulus who is kind of going through and working for a sim, working on a similar goal. Um, or in the case of like family goals that we have, that my wife is also working at those same goals and that becoming a motivator to, to continue to press into something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, think I mean, some, some motivations could actually, motivation is one of those things which can be very useful, but there's, there's an, there's an element, element of it where it can become actually quite dangerous. Um, it always reminds me of, uh, I don't know if you've seen Star Wars Rogue One. Yeah. And you have this one general guy and he's trying to find out the, you know, chase down this rogue, you know, mm-hmm. engineer who's mm-hmm. hidden a death blow to the star destroyer that they have or whatever, the Death Star. And um, there's, a, there's a scene where he meets uh, Vader, Darth Vader. Uh, <laughs> Darth Vader essentially... Um, it chokes him and says, make sure you don't choke on your aspirations. <laughs> I think it's a, it's a good reminder that some, <laughs> some people can, their aspirations can be so, um, con- self-consuming that it can actually become yeah. dangerous to their productivity and dangerous mm-hmm. to their family or something yep. else. So this is why I think your, the motivations are, are good. If, if there's sort of checks and balances there that can mm-hmm. keep them, uh, sensible, right? So that you're not, you know, burning the candle at both ends and having a nervous breakdown because you're trying mm-hmm. to meet this arbitrary goal. And, and this is why I think the identifying what's driving you and driving those motivations is probably the first thing. I know we'd say we'd come back to this, but it's probably the first thing you have to start with. And that's mm-hmm. going to be able to help you define and clarify your goals so that you do have the correct motivation. So it's really been help doing something even before you think about goal setting, you almost have to think first about uh, goal identifiers and general motivations and the reasons why you want to achieve those things. And then you can start narrowing in on goals. So for, yeah. if we were to sort of contextualize this for a crowdfunding event, it's, it's, yes, I want to launch my crowdfund, my campaign on, on Kickstarter in April and I want to raise this much money. And then, but before you have that goal, you need to first go back. Why? Why do you want to do that? Is it because you want to be self-employed? Is it because you just have a desire to get this game out that, and you're kind of frustrated that this game mm-hmm. doesn't exist and you just really want it in the hobby space? All of those kind of preconditions is going to greatly alter your decisions moving forward and your motivations and how much time you put into something. Um, yeah. So I think those, all those are important because um, there is a danger, <laughs> right? To yep. overworking or just being... And we've seen this, people who have motivations and they kind of step on everybody and burn bridges just so that they can move forward and ahead. And I think that's, that can be quite dangerous as well. Right. You know, in fact, actually, um, we had, uh, this was, a I want to say like two years ago, but we had Kirk Dennison on our podcast and he's the, um, he actually is a logistics expert, uh, works for Thunderworks and he's been, um, very open and vulnerable on, uh, both our podcast as well as the board game design lab podcast, um, in regard to mental health. And, uh, he went through a serious, uh, depression and this isn't like me, you know, saying anything that's not already out there. I know that he would want as many people to be helped by this as possible, which is why he made it public in the first place. Um, but he talked about how his goal was to, was to make uh, uh, was to go full time as a board game publisher. He had a really great game called Rurik Dawn of Kiev, 
And he uh, went, you know, he, he figured out if I could make uh, $300,000, then I could make a career out of this, quit my job and go full time. He wasn't, um, I think part of, you know, you don't need to know every single thing before you um, start on a, a goal. But this actually was uh, rather unhealthy because it was like, you know, he, he wasn't quite sure why. And, you know, wasn't quite sure why he, he really, really wanted to go full time. And, um, you know, you would naturally think, well, he wants to go full time to be a board game publisher because that's his passion and that kind of thing. Well, um, he ended up not achieving that goal and, uh, he ended up making, um, over 200,000, but it wasn't enough to, you know, quit and go full time. It was enough to, to do very well as like a, a side income and be a publisher and, and that sort of thing. But um, it really it sent him into a, a huge spiral of depression, and um, he he was uh you know shared with us that he would have a hard time like talking to family at family gatherings, and he would uh really kind of in in some ways uh, it was just very difficult in his on his personal life. And what he realized was that his goal was was that because he wanted to have like a major life change in his career. And so he ended up uh, doing that and, you know, kind of figuring out and, and, you know, getting, uh, getting help uh, in, in various ways, but finding out that that's, that's was the problem. He felt stuck. He just felt stuck in life and he wanted to do something different. And then when he identified the real motivator uh, rather, maybe the, I don't know, I guess the reason that he would he would make a goal like that. He, he was actually able to set a specific goal that was able to accomplish what he wanted. And it helped kind of change him, his, his life around. Um, he is, uh, certainly, uh, you know, from my dealings with him, he seems like a totally changed human and he's actually, um, you know, just, it's just a really cool, like success story in regard to, you know, popular term nowadays, mental health. Um, it's uh i think that goals like setting setting a goal that you know if you if you do, do not achieve that goal sends you into a downward spiral there might be actually something else that's underlying as like a a motivator that that you might you might benefit from figuring out why you know um mm. so certainly a goal that you know should be achievable um which is another part of this whole smart goals um thing the, you know, being able to, like, if, if it's realistic, you know, the goal needs to be realistic. Like it needs to be possible. You know, for me, if I was like, I want to become the number one game in the entire world, bigger than Monopoly to me, that, that just sounds a little, uh, a little, you know, unrealistic. And it's not, I mean, I guess it's specific, but you know, does, I, I guess I would need to sell, you know, more than a hundred million dollars a year of, of my game in order to do that. And it just, it just doesn't seem very realistic. Um, if I add a time to it, it's like, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to give myself five years. It just still doesn't seem very realistic. Um, so I think that, it, you know, making sure that these are possible to achieve, um, is very important, but also even, you know, looking at, you know, tr- reflecting on, on Kirk's goal that he had shared, uh, with Rurik, it was achievable. He ended up not hitting the the goal but um i i would say that just you know based on his experience and what he uh, shared with us um 
making sure that you you identify kind of that underlying root cause of why this goal is important to you is um, a real key in this whole process. I don't know if you guys have any thoughts about that. Sure. Yeah. Well, one thing I, I think of is, because I know you asked earlier if uh, one of my personal goals, what's the consequence if you don't, don't reach it? <laughs> I suppose there's an element with goal setting. I, I've been thinking about this just in terms of work to get a little bit philosophical. And it's often said that it's not just about the destiny. It's not about the journey. It's not about the end. I'm putting the quote. <laughs> it's not about, it's not about the, the destination. destination it's about the journey. About the journey. Yeah, um, yeah. I think work is the same. It's not always about the outcome. And you want positive outcomes. You want, you want to be rewarded for your labors. But I think there's an element of work that is actually therapeutic. There's an element of work, which is work is just good for you. It's good, good to work. It's good to, work hard. It's good to be disciplined. These things shape your character. Um, I did a lot of work with like youth in the past and you could always tell the kids who were given everything in life uh, because you could tell by the way they walk. <laughs> they walk as if they've got not a care in the world. Uh, or as you can tell the kids who maybe had a bit, bit of a harder background, uh, they're a bit more studious. They, they could kind of tell just by the way they walk and the way they present themselves that they've been through some things and that th things, their stake at, there's things at stake. Like if they don't mm -hmm. succeed at this, there's going to be consequences. So you can see that they're studious, they work hard, they do things well. Other other kids are just sort of, you know, flopping about as they walk down the street. Uh -huh. um, and I think it's this idea that work actually fashions your character. Um, and I think people can see that in other people. You can see people who've who've sort of learned to discipline mm -hmm. themselves, set goals, work hard. It changes their character uh, in a in a very positive way. I think when done correctly, then those who maybe don't have certain motivations and don't set goals and kind of just maybe just go through life. So mm -hmm. I think there's an element where, yes, it's good to achieve the, the goals you set, but even if you don't achieve them, I think even striving to achieve them is going to have a positive impact on your life because it's mm -hmm. going to uh, shape your character in, in a positive way, which might lead to some other positive goal being attained mm -hmm. down the road that isn't really connected to your personal goal right now. So keeping yeah. that in mind, I think is also possible. It's also important. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's great. Um, I think with kind of what to kind of piggyback on that, you were talking about like some of your motivations and stuff too, and and being able to kind of identify what your motivations are for are for doing a certain thing. Um, I think if your motivations are off, then a lot of times your goal doesn't necessarily become a goal; it becomes an obsession. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a distinct difference between a goal and an obsession in the sense that like you're saying, Sean, if you're pursuing a meaningful goal, even if you fall short of it, usually the pursuit of that goal leads to betterment in other areas. Um, like you're doing, if you're wanting to, you know, meet with other families and things like that, like even if you don't necessarily achieve the goal, the motivation to do it is something that will produce lasting benefits regardless mm -hmm. of whether you successfully have six people over in six months. Um, and I think that's kind of an important thing to note because if you, <clears throat> if you don't have a, a, a solid motivation for doing something and that thing becomes an obsession, part of the earmark of an obsession is that you're sacrificing a lot of other things to pursue that particular obsession. And it almost never is meaningful things, uh, Mm -hmm. that that you're i mean it was well, sorry it, it usually is meaningful things that you're sacrificing to pursue that your other interests or the other parts that make that are that are good and worth pursuing oftentimes suffer um 
thing with work. Like if your motivation mm-hmm. is like, I just want to do this. I want to work. I want to work. Like a lot of times you end up sacrificing your family time or your, your mental health time. Mm-hmm. Um, and those things then quickly, when you get to the end of it, like if you get to the end of that obsession, um, it kind of becomes one of those things where, well, what would, what did it cost? And, mm-hmm. you know, part of it to quote Thanos, it, <laughs> it cost everything. <laughs> um, yeah. And all those that's it's not worthwhile. You know, I, I have this, um, you know, in, in, in my past, I, uh, was a former professional gamer. I played uh, hearthstone taught people how to hit legend. And, you know, that would be a decent little side hustle alongside what I was currently doing for work. I mean, at, at the time, you know, I started my business and I would, um, take money from anywhere, you know, like <laughs> it was just, it was really hard. Um, and 400 bucks, um, a month was like a big deal or $400 a week to just train people on how to hit legend. But I was uh super duper obsessed with gaming and, uh, you know, as anybody who's listened to this podcast for more than one episode knows, I uh, put a lot of hours into world of Warcraft. I put a lot of hours into elder scrolls games, elder scrolls online, um, the league of legends and, you know, tons and tons of others. And, the pursuit i've i've never been a, the type of guy that has gamed like i don't have a steam account with 400 unplayed games i have one game that i play like the one that i play it's like the equivalent it would in uh the gaming world would be like a magic player the only thing that a magic the gathering player wants to talk about is magic the only game they want to play is magic and if you have anything else that's still pretty cool um it's not magic so that they're just you know you're kind of you know not that important. Um, and that's the type of gamer that I was. So whatever game it was, I was like, I'm going to be the best in the world kind of thing. And so, um, I realized that that was taking away. It was just causing me to be worse at everything else in life. And eventually, I mean, actually in, uh, as October 1st, 2015, I ended up laying down video games and, and kind of quitting cold Turkey. And, uh, that's when, of course, I became a board game player and designer and all of that. Um, and I found that that obsession, it's like, it's not looking back and say, what did it cost me? But it's looking forward and say, what is it costing me? You know, and, and looking around me mm-hmm. and saying, what is it costing me now? Like when I, when I sit and like I'm, I'm working and like trying to, do things, but also on my dual monitor, I have a game of Hearthstone open, um, you know, on the right monitor and just like, whenever I have a turn, I'll play it. And then, um, you know, I'll get back to, I'm, I'm working at the same time. I'm not really able to do produce great work. You know, it's like, you know, try to, I mean, try to write an email at the same time as doing something else. You're just not going to be very focused in your email. You're not going to be very focused in the other task. And both of them are going to get done slowly and very, um, you know, kind of uh, poorly, poor quality. And in the end, what I learned was when I would play, you know, so I would um, play because I had to be good because I was teaching others and everything like that. So I didn't know what's relevant. Um, but at the end of the day, like I, if I had work that still needed to be done, I, the, the desire to feed oneself is, is so powerful. Um in the end, the thing that suffered was my family. They would, they would 
I wouldn't be able to hang out with them. I'd be working till seven thirty or or eight o'clock in the evening, and they didn't know why. You know, like I'm upstairs in the office or or whatever. In in you know, my office is now downstairs, uh, but they wouldn't know why I have to work late, and they would do their best to accommodate me. And uh, for a time, actually, at uh, this was around like twenty twelve, twenty thirteen, twenty fourteen. Um, I, they were just like, okay. You know, if Andrew says 10 minutes, it's going to be an hour. It's called Andrew time. Um, you know, and uh, it's become, it's become a phrase around here. If I say five minutes, it's going to take me 15. Um, but the question is, am I doing what is meaningful or am I just not, you know, for me, I just, I just am a, I want to give the best case scenario in all cases. So whenever you guys hear time from me, it's like, this is the best case scenario and it's never, it all it never works that way. Um, you, you do well in but, Ireland. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I think that the, uh, the big, the big challenge is, you know, when everybody else wants to, you know, everybody that loves you wants to make excuses for you and say, Hey, that's just, you know, it's okay. We'll make it work. And, you know, Andrew's just going to be at dinner. You know, I'll just keep the dinner in uh, a tin for him so that he can warm it up later. Um, what, what am I missing? I've got family that loves me that wants to see me. I've got at the time I had uh two uh two children well one one child another one on the way uh was born in uh early 2015 so um and I was missing out on that so what what was what was I missing um it was at, in the end time with the family and then also I would have to sacrifice working late I wouldn't be able to go to Brazilian jiu-jitsu which I really really liked and I found that when I actually decided to lay down video games Lay down my obsession, like you were talking about, Jacob. Um, I became a lot better at everything else that remained. A lot better. I had a lot more time for jujitsu. I had a lot more time for family, uh, which is good because I have so many kids now. I have to be very efficient. <laughs> um, and it it just made me happier. I really was so much happier after laying it down. Just um, strange to say. I know a lot of you know a lot of people listening to this are just going to be gamers, right? You know, and um, but that was an example in my life. I was very obsessed and just in an unhealthy way and I couldn't control it, you know? So I think um, for for people to listen, if they struggle with something similar to playing lots of video games, I think the the key is to think what positives have you learned from gaming and how can they apply to other areas of your life? So I'm sure there's elements of gaming in terms of problem solving, which you can transcend, mm -hmm. you can translate over to business um, in terms of troubleshooting things, mm -hmm. um, you know, data analysis or yeah. something like that. So uh, I think I if, made a board that game is, that feels like all the video games I've ever played that I loved. I was able to kind of leverage that knowledge. So, um, you know, that's, that's turned into a successful thing. So I have been able to parlay knowledge. Um, also my spelling skill, like I, I have played a lot of JRPGs and I know how to spell big words uh, <laughs> because I know how to read a lot. I read a lot right? So, you know, so it, it does, does have skills that it, that yeah. it adds. So there are things that can be, uh, you can redeem the time, so to speak, and take some elements. If you think that, mm -hmm. okay, it was misplaced time because I had an obsession, mm -hmm. even in that, there's probably something that you can draw out of it and, and bring it to something that is more productive. Yeah. And you know, and in a, in a, a funny related way, you know, the, the phrase relevant, um, 
I guess that could be, you know, meaningful or, or motiv- motivational, you know, that kind of the, uh, the <laughs> smart goals relevance. Um, the one thing that maybe I would encourage folks, because if, you know, if you're suffering like I did from an obsession, uh, one of the things you're probably doing is beating yourself up when you fail. And, you know, just like, ah, oh, I did it again. You know, I, for me, you know, my wife would leave, um, for work and I would have to make, uh, my goal early on in business, I had to make 50 cold calls every day on the phone to a local business, you know, to try to sell them a website. And that was really hard to do. I, I do not like making cold calls and I'm not good at it. And there are people out there that make like 300 a day. I just don't have the brain power to do that. But, um, sometimes I would make one call, get, uh, somebody that like a secretary is like, no, we're not interested and hang up. And I just got my feelings hurt and picking up the phone again was like a million pounds. I could just not pick it up again. And I put on my headphones and I played elder scrolls oblivion or whatever for eight hours. And then all of a sudden I hear my wife like walking up the stairs. We lived in a little two story uh, apartment, you know, condo and on the second story of this uh, building. And I could, these stairs were like metal and you could hear uh, somebody walking up and I just ripped off my headphones, closed the game as quick as I could, like made it look like I was working and, and then I, you know, internally and, you know, my wife would say, hi, honey. And I give, give her, give me a kiss when she came home. And internally, I was like really kind of devastated about my own performance. I failed myself. I failed my family. I um, didn't accomplish what I wanted to do that day. And I put myself a day behind because I, you know, my, my behavior was, was just a, uh, my obsession kind of got the better of me. And um, I think that a really, really important thing that I, that I figured out was I need to uh, forgive myself for things like that. Like quickly, I need to have um, the, I think the phrase, it might've been Tom Brady or, uh, you know, just a famous quarterback. I, I, I can't remember at this point, but somebody said, you know, what's, what's uh, asked the question to this person, what's the most um, effective tool that you have as a quarterback? And, the the response was uh, um, the memory of a goldfish. Uh, a goldfish uh, is was rumored at least to have a memory that lasts only ten seconds. The short term memory of a goldfish is is supposedly ten seconds long. Um, and you 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 know when the quarterback gets sacked and uh, loses yards or, or or whatever, and there's a turnover and it's a terrible thing. Like if you want to be good at this game and you want to win, like you have to forget that that happened and perform your best the next time you're out. And I think that that is the same in business. Um, we can't let those things that are, are, are failures. Cause if you're, especially if you're trying hard, you're going to experience failures and they're going to be meaningful to you. You know, I failed on this and it's, it's, it hurts. Um, I, it's, I think really, really important to just like, forgive yourself, move on, you know, um, do better the next day or, or, you know, work better now. Um, Tony Robbins says, that the best time to plant a tree was 30 years ago. And the next best time is like right now. <laughs> so it's today. So I think the same is true with, with goals. So oh, I'll plant a tree that doesn't bear fruit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And actually speaking of that, I mean, the last thing here in the smart goals is time bound. You know, you have to, you have to have a time that you attach to the goal. Um, you know, like I want to, I don't know, Jacob, like you, you like to lift. Do you have goals related to lifting? I do. 
Um, I probably don't set quite as many as I used to because I don't. Uh, I've had to cut down my lifting routine a lot more just with more kids and other things. But mm-hmm. I do maintain several lifting goals that uh, I try to shoot for. Yeah. Lift the kids. They love it. <laughs> yeah. That's my <laughs> That's workout. Right. Body strength. They're, they're like little kettlebells. But I think they do say when you become a dad, you gain like 15 overall pounds of strength from the amount of things that you have to pick up. What? That's awesome. I'm thinking of like the Pokemon stat counter. Like Exactly. (laughs) Strength is a five. (laughs) Dad strength. (laughs) That's awesome. But no, I do keep goals. And I think that's one of those things. I, I A lot of the goals, there's been a few of them that I didn't necessarily hit the time. Um, but it was like, I had, I'd had set goals. Like I wanted to lift a certain amount of weight by the time I hit 30. Um, and I got really, really close and I injured myself like right before my 30th birthday and missed my goal by five pounds. Um, and it took me like a year and a half to rehab my shoulder to the point that I could rebuild that strength. But it was one of those things that like, even though the time kind of stamp kind of, kind of got missed with, um, it then still kind of stayed right at the forefront of my of my mind that it was like, hey, you've still got to push forward to mm-hmm. this. Um, you may be delayed a little bit, but continue to keep pushing, pushing mm-hmm. at it. Yeah. yeah. You know, I also I'll say that. Um, I, so for me, I have a weight loss goal. So uh, now that I have child number seven in my mind, I'm not going to have any more children. So now it's time to, you know, who knows what the future holds. But um my goal is to get back to like a, a, a healthy walk around weight that um, where like what I find is, so I, right now when I started, I weighed 206.2 pounds and um, my uh, right now, and this more, as of this morning, I hit like 198.9. It was the um, my weight this morning. And uh, you know, and I just started after the holidays. So it's been a couple of weeks and I, you know, the water weight has, has been uh, getting, getting uh or, you know, it's, I'll, I'm losing weight faster. I know that I'll lose weight slower, but I don't really have a time. You know, I have a goal. My goal is, um, I want to hit 170 pounds in the morning. So when I wake up, I want to hit a be between 170 and 175. And we'll see how realistic that ends up being down the road, but I, I'm okay allowing that, you know, th- I mean, that's, that's just my goal. But as we get closer, maybe it's, you know, 180, uh, 175 to 180. Maybe I put on more muscle mass and it just doesn't make sense for my body. Maybe I look better in the mirror and feel good at this certain weight. So I, I, I think it's, it's always important to have the, um, to not be so rigid and like, no, 170 was my goal. It's like, I'd be okay with amending your goals. Like as you are, you know, finding out what's meaningful or, or, you know, as you kind of are on this journey. But um, because really like the goal, the motivation is to be healthy and have energy. I think that's one of the keys for me is like, I just find that, you know, when I'm, when I'm between like 170 and 180, I have so much energy when I wake up, I am ready for my kids. I am not just tired and, and, and everything. I'm just like when I'm sitting on the couch and somebody's like, oh, I need a thing. It's not a problem for me to actually get up and, and do it. You know, right now I'm commanding my children like a battlefield commander, like, all right, go find the remote, eat in, you know, faith, go get me a, a snack. Um, you know, and it's uh just because I I'm trying to like parcel out my energy usage for the day. It's just it requires more energy to move when I'm two hundred pounds, you know. And so um 
I think that the, uh, the goal, you know, over, over time is for me, I, I want to lose a pound a week. Yeah. On average, like an average pound, like one pound a week. If it ends up that I'm losing 0.75 or 1.1 or whatever, that's okay. But it, you know, my, at the end of the day, I want to be relatively, let's say like, let's just keep it like 175. Um, so I think that the, um, the, the process and like the daily steps and everything like that, that's, and also the time is not rigid on this goal. Um, I'm not saying, you know, but there are people that do like a bride getting married might have a goal to fit in a particular wedding dress or, or to lose a certain amount of weight for themselves by that date. And that's a lot more rigid, but for me, I just want to be healthy and have energy and that kind of thing. Also, I want to be able to do flying arm bars and Brazilian Jiu Jitsu and, um, <laughs> stuff like that. I legitimately like fly to do flying arm bars. Um, well, but, all I'm uh, thinking is like you rip someone's arm off and throw it at someone. Yeah. So rip their arms off and start hitting yeah. them with their arms. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I do have a few on my wall, a few of my opponent's arms on my wall that I took home as a trophy. <laughs> but anyway, so yeah, it's just, uh, trying to make it meaningful, um, and time bound and all that. That's just something that is kind of close to my heart. For sure. And, and, and I think it kind of is also helpful to have like even almost even like micro goals within that time frame. Like you said, mm-hmm. you want to get down to like 170 and you don't necessarily have an indefinite amount of time. Uh, and while that may be a lot of weight to try to lose, like when you're looking at the, the big goal, mm-hmm. um, I think like you mentioned, like breaking it down smaller, like I want to try to I lose got a under pound 200. A week. Uh, you know? Can I lose under a pound a week or whatever? Mm-hmm. Um, or maybe it's one of those things like, hey, because sometimes I think we we get a little bit ambitious and we're like, hey, I want to, I'm going to lose 30 pounds this mm-hmm. year. Um, and then watch an episode of Biggest doable. Loser, you're like, 12 pounds sounds doable they for can me. Do that. They do that in one treadmill workout. <laughs> um, but it's one of those things that I think sometimes it does creep up on us a little bit that you get like halfway in and you're like, oh man, I'm not at that point. And then if you don't kind of have some of those like smaller goals to shoot for, I think it's easy to get discouraged and then abandon a goal because we almost write it off as it's not attainable. So being able to have some of those like smaller micro goals, I think even within mm-hmm. a larger goal mm-hmm. um, does a lot to help keep you in a frame of mind where you maintain that motivation. Because yeah. if you hit a few of those other earmarks, even from a game design standpoint, if it's like, Hey, I want to design a game by the end of this year, um, that may sound great, but if you don't have some of those micro goals and maybe it's like, Hey, well, you know, I already figured out like the core mechanics. I figured out this sort of Mm -hmm. thing. Then if you don't hit it within that year, you can at least look back at all of these smaller goals that you hit. And then it makes you less likely to abandon it because it's easier to see, like, look at what I've already sort of attained or look at the work that I've already put in. And it allows you to kind of move the goalpost just a little bit. Um, and it not be a major setback and, Mm -hmm be able to maintain that level of motivation. That's super true. Um, there's this thing that remind, I'm reminded of. There's a, a, a man, one of my mentors, and um, now since passed on, but his name is J.R. Reidinger. And he was, uh, he was actually the CEO of a company called Market America. They own a website called shop.com. And they're kind of like a, it's not exactly multi-level marketing, but might as well, might as well call it that for sake of, of ease, you know, the whole pyramid scheme, but but not sort of thing. Um, that's actually where I got my start in selling, selling websites. But, uh, the, the guy said, um, the most important meeting is the next one. And that was just extremely 
you know, it was interesting to me, but from a philosophical point of view, yes, it is. Uh, the concept in, in a business like that is you want to, if you want to get people to sign up and start selling stuff and making money and all of that, the, you have to get them trained and you have to get them motivated and all of that. And that comes oftentimes the bigger, the training, the more motivating, the more encouraging it is. And the more it makes them want to do the work and, and all of that. So, um, we would, go to this big convention in Miami every year. And it was like amazing. It was like 25,000 people in this room that were all really, really excited. It was, um, it was super motivating. But like when you got home, you had like a monthly meeting that was very small at a little hotel or something. And you're showing the business plan to people. Um, it was, it was just hilarious. Like I, I personally, I don't recommend doing one of these, but I will say it was like an MBA in, in how to run a business and how to work with people. Um, but, uh, you know, and it taught me a lot. Um, so, you know, talking about things like that you can pull from failures, you know, I, I um, pulled a lot from that venture. But the concept of like the next meeting is the most important one. Um, it gave these micro goals, like you're saying. And the, I was actually able to parlay that knowledge into the development of deliverance. What I, the way that I would develop is like, I have this goal of going to Kickstarter and having success and then releasing a big, uh, you know, a, a popular product, which we've achieved. But, um, the, I didn't know exactly how I was able to get there. I, I didn't have the head knowledge for, you know, how much money am I going to raise on Kickstarter? I didn't know. I just wanted to raise as much as possible because the more that I raised, the, the bigger deal it meant for the, for the game. And, you know, that kind of thing. So, um, I, I would make my goals. I would I wouldn't set huge. I, you know, had this kind of lofty, the big hairy audacious goal, which is like, doesn't seem achievable right now because I can't see the path to it, but I can see it in the distance and I'm just walking in that direction. Right. But my micro goals that were meaningful were, um, at the next convention that's coming up, which is in like two months, I'm going to have the prototype that I have it, you know, um, it's going to be updated all the errors from the last convention that everybody pointed out are going to be fixed so that I can see what, uh, what new problems there are. You know, I, I hate when, you know, like one time I had to bring uh, deliverance to a convention and then the next week I had another convention and it wasn't enough time to update the game. And everyone was like, Oh, it just feels like I don't need to move in order to, in order to win this game. The best option is never to use my move action. And then, I was like, oh, okay, that makes total sense. I have an idea for how to fix that. And then the next week I went to another convention and I got the same feedback like, oh yeah, I'm the move action. And it's like, what would, ha- what would have happened if I just fixed that problem and then went to the convention? I would have actually been able to move forward. But because mm-hmm. I didn't, I realized that I'm not going to stack conventions one week after the next um, unless I can actually you know, make those changes. And so for me, it was like one convention every one to three months was what I needed in order to actually make those those changes. And then finally, I hit this uh, convention. It's called Gamma, the Game Manufacturing Association's um, Trade Expo. And um, I had like this huge feedback that, you know, this uh, just uh, kind of an epiphany, several epiphanies that that made me realize I have a lot of work to do. I have to design, like redesign every single card from the ground up because I'm, I eliminated dice rolling to see if you would hit and I needed to redo the rule book. I needed to redo all the cards because it all was based on the chance that you could possibly miss. And, um, 
So we, we did that took like four months before I went to another convention. And as soon as I did, everybody was like, I love this game. Where can I buy it? You know? And I, that's when I knew, okay, I think we're ready to like prepare for Kickstarter now. So, um, which was a, you know, kind of a journey in and of itself. And so I think that the next meeting being the most important one is a kind of a good way to help you break your goals down into uh, more bite-sized pieces, you know? And I know, Sean, you had this kind of process for doing that. You, you want to kind of share that? Yeah, sure. I, I go into it. Yeah. Cause I think because one thing with setting goals is you kind of want them to have somewhat attainable timeframes. You don't want to be like, here's my 10 year goal, <laughs> goal plan <laughs> where the, who can really see 10 years in the future. Um, so I find having six month goals are fruitful because it's far enough out to be meaningful, but it's not so far out that you sort of just forget about it. And then I think reviewing your, your progress every two months, um, can be fruitful. So, okay, well, are we, how close are we? What are we going to do the next couple of months to further our, our goals? So yeah, I'll quickly go through this and we include, I think we just include in the show notes so people can go into, we'll kind of briefly cover it here and then people can actually like do a deep dive, um, themselves in the show notes when, yeah, we pick this up. So first, first of all, it talks about setting up a goal identifier. And this is really to define your, your motivations for why you're even setting goals in the first place. So, um, now I've just sort of extrapolated this from a book I read a long time ago and sort of customized it to, um, make it more relevant for myself and my wife because we do this every, every six months. Um, so yeah, the first section is to list three of the most meaningful things you have learned in the last year or, or the last six months. Um, this could be helpful as, as it kind of grounds your, your future goal making and, and ideas. It also helps you to be reflective on what you've actually, how you've progressed since then. And then uh, think of three things that you're really good at. If you're to become the best in the world at these things, what would they be? So it's, again, it's trying to help you focus on what you're good at and how can you uh, narrow in on that. that. Then list your six uh, top values, uh, reasons behind your life choices. So again, helping you get these motivations. Why are you doing what you're doing? List six things you would do if you had $10 million in your bank account. So if money was no question, what would you be doing with your life? Um, that's a good way to also help refine what you're doing when you kind of take money out of the equation for a second. And then the next part is uh, setting your six month goal. So we've, now we've got, we've got your motivations for doing what you're doing. Now we can, uh, by keeping the, the idea of it being specific, achievable and, and having limits, you can start setting your six month goals. So list the six goals you hope to achieve in the next six months. And then it says now list three goals for the next 90 days. These must be associated with the previous goals. And then it kind of breaks it into months. So month one, list three things you're going to focus on to achieve your goals. Month two, what three things you're going to focus on to achieve in your second month. And then month, month three, now list three more things. Um, and then it goes on and says, what are your top six reasons for achieving these goals? And then now pick three, re three of these reasons that mean the most to you. And at the end, those three last reasons are really why you're doing what you're doing. Those are your six month goals. Um, so keeping the idea of it being specific, achievable, having time limits. If you fill out that questionnaire, you should have your six month goals laid out. We'll clear a link in the show notes. Well, not a link, but we'll just include all of those questions in the show notes for you so that you can avail of that. Go through that on your own time. Take, take your time with mm -hmm. it. I would say just rush through it to really have a think through, uh, make sure that those six month goals are specific, achievable and are meaningful to you. Um, and I think that will be helpful for you in, in achieving your crowdfunding success. Yeah. You know, um, the, uh, the, I love the way that you put it, you know, it, when you're setting your six month goals, you list six goals you hope to achieve in the next six months. 
Then you break it down into, okay, three goals in the next 90 days that are related. So if you accomplish the goals that you set in, you know, that uh, for 90 days, you're going to get closer to accomplishing goals you have uh, set in six months. Like I'm, I'm assuming for you, like, and then, and then you break it down on, you know, what are you going to do in month one, month two, month three. So for you, Sean, to keep it simple, you have the goal of in the next six months to invite six families to your house and, and have fellowship and that kind of thing, get to know more people and whatnot. Um, uh, that means one family a month, right? And if you're, mm-hmm. if you're meeting with one family a month, then you will achieve three families in 90 days. And then, you know, if you continue doing that, you're going to achieve all six, uh, families in, in six months. Um, yes. I find that breaking things down into, for me, it's all about daily steps. Like what, um, you know, taking my big, hairy, audacious goal is what I call it. Um, and breaking it down into what will I do, you know, at the, you know, what do I need to have done by the end of the year to reach this huge, ridiculous goal? Um, and what, uh, you know, like I have this ridiculous goal of turning deliverance into a lifestyle game. How will I make it a lifestyle game in, in similar fashion to like Magic the Gathering or Warhammer or, you know, something like that? And uh, that's a big, hairy, audacious goal. So um, in the next year, what will I do? Well, I have to have my expansion campaign launched on Kickstarter. I have to have uh, scenarios that come out every quarter for, um, you know, for the player base. And um, then I have to have work on the the next thing that's coming that's going to be the, you know, after the expansion, that's going to be kind of that that big announcement of, hey, this is this could be a lifestyle game for you sort of thing. Um, and then I can break that down into, okay, what am I going to do this, you know, in the next, I don't know, six months, I need to have everything ready for Kickstarter. Um, what does that mean that I need by the next, like 90 days from now, I need to have the prototype ready to, you know, for the expansion to send to a reviewer. Um, what does that mean I need to do this month? And then what tasks do I need to accomplish each day to achieve that, you know, that monthly goal? Uh, if I achieve the daily goals 30 times, I achieve the monthly goal. If I achieve the, the monthly goal three times, I achieve the quarterly goal, et cetera. And so for me, I actually, it was a long time ago. We talked about this um, episode 57. I looked it up. We talked about in our ultimate crowdfunding uh, reading list, we talked about a book called Eat That Frog by Brian Tracy. Mm-hmm. And I that's how I organize my daily goals are I set up three frogs that, and the frog, a frog represents like a difficult task that will move me forward, you know? And, um, I identify in the morning three of them. And by the end of the day, the only thing that I must do during my work hours are accomplish those three things. And other tasks are going to crop up, but I have to accomplish those three. So, um, it's one of those things that I, I, it, it makes it like, um, I don't know what it is. Uh, realistic is, is, is the way that it is listed in smart goals, but it, it feels like, um, it makes it, uh, real to me when I have these three things. And oftentimes it's like four o'clock and I'm supposed to be done with work in an hour and I've only eaten one of those frogs. It's like, oh my goodness, I have to totally reshuffle what I'm doing because I have an hour left and I have to send that email to the client. It's really important. And I have to set up that ad campaign. Otherwise I'm in big trouble. 
And I need to work on those now and just turn everything else off. Like Facebook emails, other people asking me questions. I have to focus and um, it helps me sometimes, you know, you're not able to use all eight hours in equal efficiency. Um, but you'd be surprised at what work you can do when you identify the three things you need to, mm-hmm. to accomplish and then make sure by the end of the day that they're done. I do the exact same thing. I structure my day task-based in the morning and I, I break it into uh, three sections, morning, afternoon, evening. And then I, I prioritize them based on uh, how important they are. And I just I take them off. And if I don't get the things done in the, the morning, I then bring it down to the afternoon section. And then likewise, I bring it to the evening section. And if I, if I, obviously if I don't do too much in the evening, I then bring it to the next day. And then the next day I review all, all those tasks again. And I, I update it throughout the day as well. Mm-hmm. So that's how I find to be useful. Um, cause then you're, you're also putting time limits on them. And then it's, it's, it's also a way where you can, if new tasks do jump up, you can slot them in to your schedule accordingly and kind of know where you are. Mm-hmm. Um, this, a really good tool to do this is actually Google Tasks uh, because it actually connected to your Gmail account. So I can read an email and I say, okay, I need to jump on that, add it to my task, and then just drag it to the time of day where I'll actually address that and I can come back to it. So that, that way it's in the back of my head and I know it's there. Um, but then I've also... I've put in my schedule, my daily schedule, time to actually address that. So then I can kind of forget about it and get back to what I was doing uh, without mm-hmm. a, without me having to exert mental power of, oh yeah, I've got to get back to that email I, I just checked. Or Because sometimes you have to check emails to make sure they're not urgent. You know, it's like, oh, my yep. my account just blew up and I need your help right now. And well, otherwise it's like, oh, I, could, I can come back to this email from this client. Mm-hmm. It's not too urgent. And I've got this other thing that's more pressing right now. Yep, yep. That that concept of the, the yeah. urgency and importance uh, graph uh, I think we talked about, I can't remember what podcast we talked about that on, but um, ur- urgency versus importance. Sometimes things are urgent and important and you better address those now. Other times mm-hmm. things are urgent, but not very important like to accomplish right now is like a f- taking a phone call from a number you don't recognize or um, answering an email that, you know, or uh, so like a, p- a mobile push notification, like those things are urgent. If you don't look at them, they're going to kind of disappear off your radar um, but they're not that important, right? And mm-hmm. so, uh, the most important, rather the, uh, you, you know, in order to not use what uh, uh, redundant words, the most critical things to accomplish to achieve your goals are oftentimes important but not urgent. So the things that you, you know, in order to achieve your goals, they'll they'll wait for you. But eventually, you 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 know, look up. Um, and look around you and you realize you're nowhere close to your goal because you were focusing on the urgent things, but not important things. So um, anyway, Jacob, you want to have a, uh, the last thought, the last word on this podcast before we wrap up? Oh, man. Uh, I don't know. What so something add. really you smart. Such, you guys are such wise sages. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I think you put some of it into perspective, too. Also, maybe just to add as an addition, because you were talking about like realistic um, I think one of the things too is to also at the beginning of your goal setting is to take an honest assessment of what your current skills and abilities are to attain that goal, um, to set realistic leaps as you're making progress. Um, I know like, for example, you had brought up for me, um, 
because I do like to lift weights. Um, and like part of my part of my journey was like I, you know, I when I graduated college, I couldn't bench press a hundred pounds, which is ridiculous for a you know a, you know a, a, I was twenty one when I graduated college, so for a twenty one year old man to like just barely be able to you know bench hundred pounds was was pretty sad. So I was new, newly married and stuff like that. And so I had a motivation that was like, you know, I'm newly married. I want, want to want to look good for my wife, but I also want to feel like I could carry myself if I needed to. Yeah. Uh, and I wanted to be, I wanted to be, I wanted to be healthy. Um, and so I did start with like a, a goal where like my initial goal was I wanted to get up to bench my body weight. Um, so I think at the time I weighed like 205 pounds. Um, and so it was like, I wanted to, to bench my body weight. And so, I also knew I didn't necessarily set a definitive timeline to when I wanted to be able to do that, but I needed some way to give myself a goal to work towards. And part of that was I, you know, I had a, a routine that um, a friend of mine had given me. Um, he was a, a offensive lineman for football, um, <laughs> and he was a huge dude. Um, he was like six three and weighed like three hundred and fifty pounds, and he mm-hmm. was massive. He almost stuck me unconscious in a, we had a, we had a fight at our campus ministry where we had a bunch of dudes that built forts out of couches and fought each other with pillows. And he hit me in the face with a pillow so hard that I literally blacked out on my feet. Like I, the room started spinning and my ears started ringing and it was like someone had set off a concussion grenade and he oh, had this just super deep laugh that was just a whole, 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 whole like job. <laughs> it's the, the only thing that you heard. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, it, was, it was amazing. So, but anyway, he had, he had set uh, me up with a, with a, a workout routine and it was like, it, it was 14 workouts, but he was like, you know, he was like, we would do this with football. He was like, we would be lifting like sometimes three times a week, three or four times a week. And we'd do this chart. Um, but he was like, let's do something like realistic. He was like, can you commit to just lift twice a week? Um, and do these sets twice a week. And then if you do that, you're kind of have a measured track for where you should be when you get to those, the end of that 14, uh, workout, uh, routine. And so like, for me, that made things so much more attainable because I was able to look at mm-hmm. what my availability was. I was a high school teacher at the time. Um, and I was really invested with, uh, my church. Um, I worked at a comic book store on the weekends. Like I had a lot of stuff that was still occupying a lot of my time. But it was easy to be like, okay, I can do, I can carve out within my ability twice a week to be able Mm -hmm. to do this. And it gave me a really nice measured approach to fit within what I knew my abilities were. It was still something that stretched me. I had to commit the time to do it, but I knew it was feasible within my, um, within my ability range. And so I was able to take those steps and then see, oh, hey, you know, we got through, I did it twice a week and then seven weeks out, I was, it was like, oh, whoa, I, you know, I just added, I added 30 pounds to my, to my bench press, like in that, in that time frame, And it was like, oh, this is great. Like, this is definitely achievable. Mm-hmm. And so that, that series of being able to analyze what was realistic within my abilities while still stretching myself gave me something that was attainable to mm-hmm. shoot for. Um, I know that's kind of piggybacking on a couple of things we already said about micro goals and stuff like that. But I think being able to set that that realistic expectation for what you can feasibly achieve within the timeframes that you have or within the limits that you may have based on other responsibilities is really important um, when you're setting a goal to make sure that you actually stick to it um, and achieve the goal that you want to. 
Yep. I think if you're completely unrealistic in what you think you can achieve, it's uh, again, it's very easy to just. Yep. Yeah. You know, I, I would, I would also add, um, one last thing and then I promise we'll conclude, but I, I figure, you know, just based on what you guys have said, this is a really important note is that when you, um, aim to achieve your goals, uh, expect to suffer. You'll suffer. Um, suffering is part of the, the, I call it the grind. You know, when you're, when you're grinding, it is, um, not very fun. Like for me, you know, in my weight goals, I am 38 years old. I cannot lose weight by working out really hard and eating whatever I want. Used to be able to, but now I can't. And, um, if I want to lose weight, I have to also diet properly. So, um, it's a matter of, you know, being disciplined there. And there, I'll tell you what, there are some days where I just get so mad. I asked my wife last night, like I reached out where we track our calories on this app called lose it and track just generally track like what we eat. It's, which is helpful for me to see how well I'm doing. Sometimes, you know, you end up accidentally starving yourself and don't realize it. Other times you are, um, you know, like you ate a bunch of pizza for lunch and then you didn't realize how many calories that actually was. And it helps you to kind of see what it is that you're consuming and uh, I reached my calorie limit and I, I asked my wife, I was like, honey, you think it'd be a big deal if I ate like three slices of pizza right now? I'm really hungry. And I was angry and I'm like kind of hangry and frustrated and that kind of thing because when I'm not dieting, I would totally do that. I would have eaten those slices of pizza like, you know, as an afternoon snack. And um, it is just one of those things that change is, is difficult and it, it's painful and it not only takes, uh, you know, achievable, realistic goals, let's say the like micro goals, but it also takes, uh, you know, the, the, uh, difficult part is like changing habits. It's, it causes mm-hmm. suffering when you change habits, when you're used to doing things a certain way, you have to change, you'll suffer. Um, and so we could probably do a whole episode about suffering and changing habits. Um, that might hey, be a fun podcast. To suffering. Suffering leads to the dark side. So anyway, that'd be a fun one to do down the road. Let's talk about suffering, everyone. Um, So we'll we'll wrap it up here for now and and have Robot Richard send it out. But it's been a fun time with you guys um, just chatting about goals. And, you know, I hope this podcast helped a bunch of people out there and will for years to come because I think it was pretty well rounded. All right, Robot Richard, send us out. Well, that's all the time we have for this week's episode of Crowdfunding Nerds. For more resources, articles, and to listen to past podcasts, please visit us at crowdfundingnerds.com. And if you have a crowdfunding question, we also have a page on our site where you can send a message directly to us. Please visit crowdfundingnerds.com forward slash question. And if your question is a great question, we may include it in a future podcast. Thank you all again for listening to this week's episode, and we'll see you next week. Stay nerdy. Stay nerdy.